Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. And uh, we got we got a we got a big day today. We obviously are going to talk about Twitter a little bit, but I imagine this will probably be the last time we talk about Twitter stock in any meaningful way. Um, we got a lot of earnings too. I want to discuss Whirlpool this morning. I'm very confused about this Whirlpool reaction why the stock is trading higher that report was pretty bad uh, we got a lot of earnings to get through aside from that we have some big ones tonight as well google microsoft both on the calendar we'll preview those joe saluzzi is today's guest from themas trading so do me a solid if you'd be so kind to hit that like button please and thank you and let's get this show on the road Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's bring on Mr. Elkanen and his charts. Joel, good morning. How are we looking out there? Good morning, Mr. I. Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, giving a little bit back here after yesterday's furious rally. Uh, snuck into the 4,300 handle, 350s, your pre-market high. Not much there to talk about. And uh, 4,268, your pre-market low. Not a lot to talk about there. Uh, bouncing off the low right now. We'll see if, uh, A, we can hold that pre-market low. And, B, let's see if we can get green on the session. Uh, we have crude in the green by a buck 13, 99.67. Gold desperately trying to find support at 1,900, up 940 at 1,905.40. Silver. Not back in the 24 handle yet, up seven cents here, 23.74. Bitcoin, just a trading range, like 38K to 41, 42, uh, back on the rebound today. And Ethereum, that's uh, basically flat, down 10 bucks at 3,0250. Uh, good morning, uh, Triple D, and uh, quite the rally yesterday. Is it uh, enough to turn you around, at least in the short term? Uh, for today, I would say if I'm a day trader, I'd be buying the pullback, maybe in tech, but I would not be holding through the Microsoft and big, Google reports big, yeah. because there's just too much risk. So I got to see it, what what's going to be said in those reports. And I mean, that's going to dictate the next move. So we can you know say, yeah, we held technical support. If you look at the queues, nice. We, we said on the show it was a logical area for it to bounce 320. We said that yesterday morning. We didn't quite get there. Got down to 322 and then we bounced. So I think the bounce and growth in, in tech is was kind of expected yesterday. 
But it's a one-day bounce so far, and we just got too much fundamental news to come in and make a technical call. So if we were in weren't in earnings season, I would say you know that was a really good sign. But because we're in earnings season, that takes the technical call off the table. So I would say for today, I do think you could see some of these growth tech names get uh, this dip that we're getting this morning get bought. But Interesting. You know, Katie bar the door after four o'clock, Joel, it's anybody's guess what's going to happen after four o'clock. Well, what I was saying to Joel yesterday was like, it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence when you see like the Kathy stocks leading the charge. No, um, but they're the most oversold. So it's yeah. logical that if you were going to come in and say, I'm going to come in and buy what's beaten down the most. That's the stuff that's beaten down the most. And that's usually what you see is you see the stuff in a turn. You see the stuff that's beaten down the most, the first stuff to rally. So I think it's a good sign. But again, how do you come in and say, yeah, that's the bottom when you've got Microsoft, Google, Facebook, PayPal, you know, Boeing, Apple, Amazon, Intel, all on deck in the next 48 hours. I I can't, you know, come in and make that call. So. If you're really nervous and you got too much cash, you want to add a little bit of these stocks, you know, some of the tech stocks to your long-term portfolio, you know, pick the good stuff. But to come in and say the bottom is in, that's a bold call ahead of those reports. And yeah. the, the reports are one thing, but uh, we mentioned this on the pre-pre-market show, the guidance. Like, you just be careful. You know, yeah. if, if you're pulling that, you know, if you're clicking the mouse off the report, you know, that guidance is going to come right afterwards. And, uh you know, it, it will make a difference. I mean, it, other times it does, other times it doesn't. I think the forward guidance is uh, going to be something people are going to be uh, paying attention to. You're right. Uh, so let's just talk Twitter for a second. I want to get Dennis's thoughts. Uh, it's going off the board. I know Joel. Uh, Joel's the happiest man on earth right now. Uh, he doesn't have to deal with this this stock that he loves to hate and hates to love. Um, but Twitter going off the board at fifty four twenty. Deal expected to close sometime. Later this year, don't know exactly when. Um, the only remaining question really is how is Elon Musk going to actually pay for this? He has uh, some financing via a margin loan, or actually a lot of margin loans from twelve different banks, half of Wall Street lined up to 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 give to give Elon Musk a margin loan. Again, that's that's against his Tesla shares. Um but in, in looking at the PR last night, it, it kind of broke it down a little bit. Uh, it, it, it also says Elon's going to pay $21 billion in equity. But I don't know what that means exactly. So sort of a TBD on how he'll pay for it. I can't imagine he'd, he'll have too much of a problem. He is the richest man on earth. But this is what I was thinking last night. If I was Elon Musk, this is what I would do. I would go into the market and I would buy eh, a couple billion dollars worth of Dogecoin. Okay. Then I would go on Twitter and say, should I make Dogecoin the official payments platform of, slash currency of Twitter? Yes or no? And then I would watch and then I would sell my Dogecoin for a massive profit and use that to buy Twitter. That's yeah, what I That's kind of called a pump and dump. So Who's going to stop him? It's Dogecoin. The problem is Elon Musk. So from a legality perspective, I would challenge that isn't a pump and dump and uh, if I was a regular, I would look at that with scrutiny, that strategy. But, I mean, it is Elon Musk, and he does what he wants. I don't think he really cares about making an extra, you know, million dollars or a couple or even a billion dollars in Bitcoin. You know, he's 
going 44 billion here. The guy's worth so much money. There's no sense to take unnecessary risk with sketchy activity. I I think, and, and it's interesting. Did you see that tweet? And I, I just wonder if this wasn't behind it. And I don't know if you can show my Twitter profile, but oh, I yeah, retweeted I, it yesterday. It's my third tweet down. But I'd be interested to just uh, you know show this tweet and get the chat's response to it here. It was from Chairman WSB Chairman, who's got like nine hundred thousand followers. Wow. He had an interaction with Elon Musk on Twitter on March the 26th. You see the tweet? I've seen this. Show it on the screen. And he said, Elon Musk said, is a new platform needed? And Chairman says, just buy Twitter and change the bird logo to a doge. Elon Musk says, ha ha, that would be sick. Well, March well, 26th. We, well, and here we, we are, April 25th. No, no. Elon but, Musk one month later buys Twitter. Well, but what do we know? We know he was already buying Twitter. He was buying Twitter as of the end of January, right? He started. That's when he started buying the stock. We know that already. Yeah. So at, at that point, he'd already, he'd already been buying for, for two months. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah. this is just an interaction. wasn't the whole thing, uh, right. obviously. Right. But interesting, you know, like that that comes to fruition there. So. All right, wait. I, I want to address this comment from the chat because this is like the third time we've gotten this question sure. in the last day from Guy Mills. Is it worth buying Twitter stock because it is below Elon's price? So the takeover price is fifty four twenty, and right now Twitter is at fifty one dollars and eighty cents. So it's like two dollars and and forty cents below the takeover price, right? Uh, the short answer to your question simply is no. It is not worth it because risk. The best, the absolute best case scenario, if you buy Twitter right now, you can go, you can go do it. You can go buy it right now. The best case scenario is you make $2.40. That's the best case scenario because yeah, we, we, we know, I guess we don't know, no, but we basically know that no one else is going to come in. No white knight's going to come Very unlikely. out of left field Very and unlikely. say, I'm going to take this company over for a higher price. I'm going to pay more money because if, if they were going to do that, they would have already done that, you would think, right? So yeah. best case scenario, you're making $2.40. Worst case scenario is they get to the one-yard line and the Some deal collapses for whatever reason, Elon says no, or something happens that is out of left field, and the deal falls apart at the very last second. And if that happens, Twitter's going to like thirty bucks, like or less, in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. So your y- your risk reward really is not there, right? Y- you're you're risking potentially a catastrophe to make two dollars. Right on the upside, it's just well, welcome to the wonderful world of risk arbitrage. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, making two bucks and risking 20. I mean, this I mean, is what it's about. Zippity Doodah uh, is pointing out Karen Feinerman made a case that you just made here on Fast Money last night, and she shorted Twitter uh, just uh, right now, obviously, after the deal's done at these prices, yeah. just on the potential expectation that something could go sideways. Yeah, so you have the cost to carry on that short position, there would be some boring costs yes. involved. Um, and, and that's the risk. And obviously, it's the time value of money Why, it, to a certain extent while the risk arbs. This is going to close later this year. Well, the time value of money is not nothing anymore. It was always just not even considered. But it is something. It, it, yeah. So with interest rates. Is there, I, I have a question. And is there anything, does Elon have anything in there where, um, like, if Twitter loses X amount of accounts and stuff, that he can back out of the deal? Uh, no, I don't believe, no. Because what I'm seeing from people that, oh, are, that are pulling out is that, the, wait, wait a they second. Talk, no, I'm just true. telling you what okay. I see on Twitter. Okay, go, go ahead. Go and ahead. They're, and what they're saying 
Is it the reason that they don't want to be on Twitter is because they don't think that one person should determine freedom of speech. And that's why that's why they're they're deactivating their All accounts. Right. So if they look how many accounts, I mean, if they lose a couple million accounts, Big I mean, does he have a right to back out of the deal? You can back out of any deal, Joe, yeah. really. I mean, there'll be uh and, and obviously there'll be a breakup fee involved in that. I'm sure that I think somebody mentioned there is a breakup fee involved. So deals fall apart and you can get out of deals. There's ways with the you know, lawyers, the lawyers are so awesome nowadays. You can pretty much the deal can be firm and you can still find lawyers can find loopholes and ways to get out of deals yeah, yeah, if they yeah, really yeah. want out. He oh, doesn't yeah. want out of this deal. Yeah, I'm just what's what he I'm doing. He's not by in it people. for the money. Yeah. He's yeah, not yeah. in it for the money though, Joel. He's not in this coming this in. Is... And people are saying, Oh, he's in this to turn this company around. Sure he is, but he's not in this thinking he's gonna make a pile of money on this. He's in this as a movement. You know, he wants to control the freedom of speech. He doesn't want accounts being allowed to shut down because they just say something a little bit sideways. He's in this for the movement. It's not about the money. I highly doubt he's backing out of this deal for any reason. If they lose 2 million accounts, I don't think he cares at all. So I don't think he's going to be backing out of this deal. I do think this deal is going to close at 5420. But you got time value money. You do have risks. So I understand Karen Feinerman's point. I understand Spencer Israel's point. The upside is not great here. So if I was long the stock, I'd ring the register and move on because you know what? If you can't make 5% on your money over the course of the next six months, then you should be in a different business. So the only the only other thing is uh Twitter does report earnings on Thursday. Now this is basically, matter. basically irrelevant for as it as it pertains to us, but don't don't you just want to know? Like I now now I really want to know, and we're gonna find out. Like I, I bet you it was a terrible quarter. <laughs> yeah, probably. Why they're selling it. I bet you it was a terrible quarter. And that's why the board's like, all right, we we should probably we should probably take the money and run. But we'll find out on Thursday. They're not gonna do a conference call because why the heck would they? Because there's no point. But um anyway, we'll find out on Thursday how bad the quarter was, but it's irrelevant now. So it's all a mood point. Um all that's on. gonna matter tonight though is yeah. you know, it's not gonna be about Twitter. We're gonna stop talking about Twitter. They know yeah. it's on CBC right now. It will all stop at four o'clock because it's yeah. gonna be Microsoft and Google and Texas Instruments and you know the plethora. General Motors is interesting too. And I gotta tell you, I am scared to death of the General Motors guidance here because I keep looking at these sticker prices on these lots and thinking, man. Is there going to be, you know, this kind of demand going forward to go pay 90,000 Canadian dollars for a, you know, for a pickup? I'm, you know, for their other vehicles are all just up so much. I get it. Steel costs have went up. Labor costs have went up probably a little bit for them. Input costs have went up. So the prices have gone up. But I got to think there's going to be less people buying new cars. That's why I sold half of my GM um, a few days ago, $42, and I sold all of my Ford. So I'm very nervous that these high-ticket items here are going to be the first things to really fill the brunt of people with less discretionary income. Yeah. The charts are ugly. I mean, since this hit uh, yeah, 65 um, in, uh, back in January. So if you're, if you're looking at this after hours, I mean, just under 38 has been the low of the move of this one. 37.60 is something to keep an eye on. Uh, you lose that, maybe you're looking uh, under 35, 34, 24. And then these are always tough situations because if they do come out with a good report, who knows what the guidance is going to be. Man, there's a lot, there are a lot of people even stuck at, at, at uh, 42. You know, you had that nice rally from 38 to 42, just over 42. It's called 43. Every rally has been a selling opportunity. Yeah. Yep. Lower highs, you know. Yep. 
lower high, big sell-off, lower high, big sell-off, lower high. Red monthly candles. I'm not it's trying to put them on this one. And, and, and again, just to the point, I mean, these – like, do you want to go buy – do you want to pay these new car prices right now, or are you going to drive your car for an extra couple of years? And I didn't want to pay new car to. prices three years ago. <laughs> well, never. When I and now to, they're gone crazy. Yeah. I mean, I cannot believe when I drive, and obviously I'm in Canada, so you got the 25%, you know, um, currency exchange on it. So when I'm going through, but my jaw hits the floor when I see $95,000 on an F-150. I, like, I was like, is that for real? That's the sticker price, $95,000. I'm sure it's loaded. I'm sure it's an awesome vehicle, but I'm like, that's a hundred grand. I'm like, how? Who's paying a hundred thousand dollars for a new pickup? I mean, I mean, okay, US say 70, 75. Who's paying that? And that's why I'm like, I looked at that, you know, just driving through, and I was I, on the on the last rally, I already had in my head. The next time we rally in Ford and GM, I'm gonna dump. And I actually got out of Ford at 1635, I think. Woo. 1655, the high of the move. It was there for a couple days. It was the next day it was there too. It gave you a couple days to do it. I talked about it. I should have sold all the GM. I sold half of it, and I'm like, oh. I don't know. Like, it's hard to just dump everything, you know, because you might be wrong with your thesis. But, man, I am very nervous about these this General Motors report tonight. Yeah, I mean, I see commercials, too, and I'm just like, uh, um, I can't. I, I, I just wonder what the MSRP is. I mean, it's and especially it's with not, rate, it's insane, especially with rate with rates going higher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Loads. Then it's, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing with rates are going low. Right. Because then. All right. You could get a cheap, nice, cheap. Uh, Nice, nice, you know, nice deal there. Nice cheap monthly payment, right? But not with the rates going higher. Higher. It's going the wrong way. Yeah. I'm, I, I think it's the worst place to be right now is these big ticket items. You know, yeah. we saw okay. with the homeowners. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we can go to Whirlpool. Maybe this is a good segue into some of the earnings from last night. Whirlpool, probably the biggest one from last night. But the big ticket stuff is getting some serious demand destruction so far. What okay. okay, the Whirlpool report, what they said jives with what we've been saying, right? Uh, that growth is slowing. So their earnings per share for last quarter came in uh, uh, just slightly below the estimate. Sales came in a bit below as well. Their guidance was bad. They lowered their EPS guidance for the year. Uh, it was at a range of 27 to $29. That's earnings per share for the year. Now it's in the 24 to $26 range. Um uh, so yes, they did add uh, a two billion dollar buyback, or they increased their buyback by two billion dollars. But everything they said in the presentation on the call was that growth is slowing, and uh, across the entire industry. And I want to look pull up this chart, which is their. Um, oh, wait, let's do that. That's better. Uh, this is their uh, revenue growth, uh, or 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 their revenue per quarterly revenue for the last whatever. Um, to 15 20 years and you can just see 10 years yeah how well this is this is the right there is 2002 so that's 2012 isn't it no oh man my eyes i gotta get oh, really wait, close wait, wait. you're right it's 20 years yeah, yeah, yeah 20 years. <laughs> so so anyway you can just see how much revenue was pulled forward in the pandemic and it it it's going the wrong way now it's going the wrong yeah. direction yeah so everything they said was yes growth is slowing we acknowledge this. They're conducting a strategic review for their European businesses. I mean, that doesn't sound great either. <laughs> uh, and okay, 
one thing to just consider is that you look at the home builder charts and I don't know, we, we struggle with putting charts on top of each other here. We should figure that out. But, you know, you look at Lennar, you look at DHI, throw Whirlpool up on top of the home builder charts, even if you were able to do it over the course of the last, you know, two I years. I mean, these charts are identical. Whirlpool is a home builder stock. Why? Like I'll a, tell you why. I just I'm finishing up my house fear finally we're getting towards the end stages. The appliances showed up yesterday. I just bought $35,000 worth of appliances. I mean, I've never done that in my life, but when you build a new home, you buy a pile of appliances. Um obviously there's, all, there's there's you know people oh, appliances shoot. that break that go along, but if you look, Whirlpool and, you know, Lennar and DHI, they've all kind of always traded together. You know, you look at the charts and there's a, definitely a correlation there. It's remarkable. That's very similar. You can see it right there. Like it's it's close. So I've traded Whirlpool as a home builder stock for a long time. So what the home builders do, you usually see Whirlpool doing as well. And it's not surprising the home builders showed a lot of weakness as of late, yeah. and Whirlpool has as well. I mean, a lot All of right, people show, would, show my look, chart. Look at that. Look at that chart. Look at mine. Mine's pretty too. I figured it out. That, that, I did that, it. The, those charts are identical. It's a home builder stock. So and so your relationship traders out there are just trading Whirlpool as an industrial. Trade as a home builder because that's what it trades with. Those charts, that's the XHB. And obviously, I think Whirlpool is a small portion of that, but it's a home builder stock. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, they're projecting $1.75 billion of material inflation costs this year. That kills them too. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of you know materials going into building a dishwasher and building a fridge. And I mean, there's input costs here hitting them too. The stock is cheap on a relative basis you can just look and spinner was pointing out it's got a pe of four but i mean this pull forward happening there it's always had a lower pe just like the home builders this isn't like a you know a huge growth industry even though the earnings have been growing over the course of the last you can say what growth here in the last you know two years but it was pull forward and these earnings are cyclical they've always have been and if you are going into a recession or if you're going into a tougher time with less discretionary income you're going to Buy a new dishwasher when your dishwasher breaks, but you're not going to buy a new dishwasher just because you don't like your current dishwasher. So there will be demand destruction happening here too. So this is another stock that I don't want to own right now because this is big ticket stuff that, yes, sometimes you have to buy a new microwave or a new fridge if it breaks, but you're not buying it just because you don't like it. So you'll see some demand destruction here too. And yet, look at that top left chart. Well, if you were if you were quick, and I mean like cat quick, and you had your dailies up, uh, the previous low of the move had been one sixty four fifty two, and then they didn't. Did they quite get it there? Where did they get it to? One sixty four twenty nine. Holy mackerel! Right to the low of the move, and then you got the crazy bounce up to one eighty six. I see it holding one eighty. You know, it's in the one eighty three handle right now, up four bucks. I'd like to see a challenge, you know, the pre-market high, you know, get up there. If it could get up to the pre-market high, what is that? Uh, 186, I see maybe another buck to 186.97. Uh, but, like, if you start to lose this high right here, like, well, I, I don't know. This is just a squirrely chart. But I see this top right here at 182.75. If it did hold that, I'd be, I'd be a little nervous on the long side. And where is uh, the headquarters for Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, Benton Benton Harbor. That is correct. All right, Harbor, see, Michigan. See, I knew that. 
I knew it was, it was great company, just a cyclical business that I'm not into in this current environment. Downtrend too. I mean, the the, the uh, I mean, this thing peaked uh, in middle or what is it that peaked uh, when everything peaked in like the t- beginning of january 2021 a year ago yeah exactly when the covid stock started pulling back and this benefited from the covid you know lockdowns anyways people sitting at homes like i hate that fridge let's buy a new fridge <laughs> yeah. sitting at home here i don't yeah. look at the fridge, we yeah, buy a new buy fridge. fridge. There's I, some of that happened yeah i'm not going on vacation I might as well buy a new fridge yeah some of that happened for sure definitely um but but the party's over is is, is my point anyway uh let's i think so on. too Let's well, move on. I'd here. be a seller of the rallies. Uh, let's go to maybe let's go to UPS. Uh, how was that report? Uh, earnings beat, sales beat, uh, guidance reaffirmed. Uh, that was all this morning. Uh, they're also doing a buyback. Man, all these companies doing buybacks. Been killed. Expectations very low. I mean, this was a brutal move from the 220 to 190 in like six, seven days. That is a move that just doesn't happen in stock like UPS. Dividends good. It's online spending, you know, where you're still going to have, you know, the Amazon truck, you know, shows up here. The FedEx truck shows up here still all the time. So the business is still going to be there. But again, a little bit cyclical. And again, you know, if we're slowing down, you know, I could I be talking UPS, but I don't know if I'm getting talked into it at 192. Uh, you had 196. If it gets up there, boy, it hit that one, two, three, four times. So that's your major resistance. So we got to get up, take out 196. I kind of think it's opening in a little bit of an interesting area because you've had, uh, you know, your four day high here. So opens up, hold 192.72. You know, maybe take a look at that pre market high at uh, 196. Just a lot of people trying. I mean, this stock was it you know, 205 a couple weeks ago. So there's a lot of people underwater in this one. I think it's going to be hard just for it to pop right back up. And now it's off the low of the move. So kind of like with the market today, if we do pull back, you might find some bids, some backing and filling. Uh, but that's what you're looking at in UPS. Just really broke down now, just that vicious move here. Since a lot of bag split. holders up there. Yeah, you think like it's, it's near 200 or anything like that. People are like, thank you very much. Give me my money back. I'll never buy a stock again. <laughs> I mean, that's what the thought process here is. So I don't see much upside here. I mean, it's 193. It's off the highs and 196 already starting to leak. It's the kind of stock that I wouldn't be surprised. The quarter was fine, but there's just overhead supply bag holder central. So I think I'd be a seller of rallies here too. I know I sound like a broken record and I will find eventually something that I like, but right now I'm, I'd be a seller of rallies on this UPS. Report. Paul Schmidt makes a good point about the uh, rising fuel costs for those. It doesn't big help. It doesn't big help general. Hulk. I mean, on the general motors conversation too. I mean, who wants to go buy a $95,000 pickup and then fill it up? I just filled up my pickup. It was $200. Canadian. <gasps> Oh, the Canadian, Canadian, but, right. but still, so like 160 bucks US. Oh my god! To fill up my F-150, and it wasn't even on empty. I've never seen that before. And I go to the same girl, uh, Penny, at the gas station there. She always tells you everything that's going on. She's kind of nice, but anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she. So anyway, is your town, Dennis? You know, <laughs> it's fairly small. You know where I'm at. I'm in a rural community. So. But, you know, she when I paid the 200 she's like, whoa, that's a big one. I was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever filled up my F-150 for 200 bucks. I filled up my boat last year for 350 or $400. I mean, $200 on a truck? I don't want, I don't even want to know what my boat fueling costs are going to be. Astronomical. How what was that? It Was that a, um, what's the name of the gas stations in Canada? Esso or something? Or This one's Racetrack. 
racetrack. But there's they've got a lot of the same ones. Hey, Michelle and how many traffic lights do you have in your town? Out of curiosity, <laughs> there's a lot of traffic. Are, the town's got twenty five thousand people. Okay, so just, just there, there's a, there's a Walmart. Right. There's some traffic lights. I'm sure there's a hundred traffic lights. Okay, we're not in the city. We have a number at eight thirty. Uh, durable goods. Uh, okay. Not is that going to move? Do I have to go no. wide? Nah. Talk to me. Nah. Okay. No, they no, say no. nah. If I get picked off, I'm sending you a bell, Joel. No, no, no. <laughs> um, all right. Um, it, it, we can go through the rest of the list. It's more of the same, right? It's it's GE. Well, GE is more more industrial, and, and uh, they actually said that they expect uh, aviation business to, 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 to keep uh, coming back. Uh, but GE had earnings, and it was a uh, top-line beat. I'm sorry, top-line Miss bottom line beat. Um, what what else? We had G. We had G. We'll do these all together, I guess, because they're all kind of quiet. But GE, 3M, and Pepsi. Um, Pepsi beat 3M beat. They're all kind of quiet this morning. GE, I mean, GE's down, uh, four bucks. It's guidance lower. There's a lot of bad things happening here as well. Um, you got a huge support, eighty-five bucks. We did take it out for a uh, for a blip. Somebody went off for eighty-four, and they lifted them really fast on the GE this morning. I saw it, and I was like, "Wow, that's really getting the beats." And then they lifted, and then it was eighty-six, like a couple minutes later. So I was like, "Yeah, I should have lifted those eighty-fours too." Eighty-five is your support. This is the big level here. This is the level that the stock needs to hold here on General Electric. So um, that's the support. We'll see what happens. What uh, we we talk about that reverse split too how really that's you know really not a good omen and it you know it it, it flirted it had its you know its plan and what it was gonna do and so far it looks like it really hasn't turned out to do anything uh but dennis has mentioned those pair lows under 86 uh 85 29 85 55 and then coming back on the upside uh you know, you get above yesterday's low 86. Oh, long way to the close at 89.88. So see what happens. 85.30, 86.50, uh, early possible range in General Electric. Um, Pepsi? Yeah, Joel, why don't you look at Pepsi? Uh, you know um, you know what? I had this. Remember, I, I, I have obviously don't pull up this chart very often, but when we talked yeah. about it, I drew that nice little channel. Oh, look and man, at it fell out of that channel, then came back and hit the top Dude. of the channel. Holy mackerel! I don't know. What do you? Uh, your I'd pops? sell it. <laughs> yeah. This uh, these consumer staples. Everybody is hiding, saying, "Well, they could pass the cost forward." You got so much money hiding in this stuff away from growth tech. I think it's a crowded trade, and stocks aren't cheap either. What's the forward PE on Pepsi? Twenty-one, twenty-two. I'm gonna tell you. Pull it up in the pro. I bet it's in the twenties. PE. Oh my gosh, we're having this problem with a data provider yeah. uh, where we have the data, but it's not showing up. So sorry to throw you under the bus. Here. No, no, it, it's there's been uh, like a, this data provider has been crapping the bed for us in the last day. But let me look elsewhere. Um, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm over two. All right. Attempt number three, uh, Pepsi. If, if, if you got in the chat, help me out. Forward PE is, well, I got a trailing PE of 31. I got a forward PE of not cheap. 25. It's not cheap. It's not a cheap stock. It's, you know, a staple. They always get a little higher market multiple because the earnings are very stable. And that's, you know, like Procter Gamble, they always, you know, traded like 20 to, to 30 times. But it's not cheap. And not saying people are going to stop drinking Pepsi. And yes, they have pricing power. I just think there's a lot of people hiding here. Is Pepsi going to crash down to 155? Nah, I'm not saying that. But I think, you know, the, I, th- I think there's lots of resistance at 175. I don't think people are just going to be buying Pepsi hand over the stock hand over fist off this earnings report here. So I think I'm going to ring the register and find a better place for your money. Uh, Manuel uh, picked up the same thing that I was just going to point out, like triple top on the monthly. So you got the resistance building there. It's, you know, 176 and a half, 177 area. So that's really, really what, you know, if you want to hang out in this one, see the price action over the next couple of days, that's what you really needed to break out. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, the way it traded yesterday had a strong day. I wonder if there's some paper perched at 175. Uh, you're too, maybe even at 174, 173.92 was your high yesterday. Wow, it made a lower high yesterday when the mar- wow on a relative basis this did not do well yesterday. So I checked some paper, you know, that's been hanging up here for a while. See if there's some paper at 174 and then once again at 175 and coming back on the downside, you got a lot of room down to yesterday's low at one one seventy one. Next uh, 8 to 32. We're going to have Joe Saluzzi join us in a couple minutes here from Themis Trading. Uh, I'm just going through the rest of the earnings list and I'm just noticing uh, GLW Corning. I guess I guess we're in a bull market for glass right now. They they just reported earnings. The stock just riffed higher on their. How's the guide? How is the guide? They guided in line on a revenue Ooh. for a fiscal year. Fiscal year sales was in line. Um, let me go into the report. See Again, here. the stock's been beat up ahead. So to the same nature of a, a trade like Whirlpool, I mean, the stock was $46. It's been going down for 12 months here now. So the, the earnings are still fine here, but... 28% year-over-year sales growth in optical hmm. communications. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, they did raise their guidance for the fiscal year, for the full year. Uh, 
EPF for full year sales. So yeah, guidance was above, above estimates. 38 bucks, major resistance up there. So you're about 70 cents away from a major resistance point. So $38 would be ringing the register. I'd go, I'd, I see your 38 and although, you know, the highs above here, but you are opening into a pair of highs right where the pre-market high is. Looks like you're bid up here too. So, you know, let's get above 37 and a half and work it to sellers at 38. And then there's just various highs up here. And uh, probably after that, 38.50, see if you yeah. can hold the gains. If it stalls right here at 37.50, long ways to go to get to the top of, or, yeah, the top of yesterday's range at 34.45. So right. that'd be a long ways to go for Gatfield. Dennis, you didn't didn't get picked off. I guess there wasn't much on that wasn't number much there. Moment, no. Yep. Okay. Yeah, pretty quiet. All right, let us bring on today's guest, uh, the partner and co-founder of Themis Trading, longtime friend of the program, Mr. Joe Saluzzi. Joe, good morning. Gentlemen, how are you today? We're, we're, we're good, man. We're good. All how are right. things? It's kind of quiet. It's kind of quiet. Calm before the storm because we've got so many earnings reports coming up here. So, But we got to start with market talk here, Joe. you got the you got the feel for the institutional uh your institutional customers there are they feeling like we've pulled back significantly here are they like starting to you know nibble here into some of these beaten down tech names or is it still hands off and we better hide out in the staples yeah i, I think they're all different i mean you know we trade for all different types of clients some are longer term um you know pension fund style mutual fund others shorter term hedge funds um value managers growth managers you name it so everybody has a different approach and i think you know we've been seeing action on both sides We've been seeing long-term guys coming along saying, hey, this is a value. And I've been seeing other guys shorting stocks here saying that, hey, no, you know, these high growth names got more room to go. So that's what makes a market. Um, you know, we're agnostic, of course, over here. We're just executing their trades. So, you know, what I would say is certainly volatility is there. I mean, the beginning of the day and the end of the day, particularly the first half hour. I mean, the spreads are ridiculously wide a lot of times. And yeah. if, you're on, if you're on the opening, you've got to be super careful. I would always warn retail investors the same thing. You know, the beginning of the day, things shake out like what they are right now and what they are going to be at 10 o'clock is, is totally different. And then, you know, as you guys know, the middle middle part of the day, the three, four hours, you can go to sleep for a while because there's nothing going on. It's just constant gyrations of guys arbing stuff back and forth, VTFs versus this and that. It's it's garbage. It's garbage flow, in my opinion. You know, but that's actually a lot of times where you can make as an institutional trader, we're looking for blocks. We're looking for size. I'm trying to dig that out. But the trick is not to be seen. Right. Like we've talked about it all the time. Don't leave those cookie crumbs. Don't put it in an algo and just wait for it to someone to spot you so they can take advantage of you. So we're out there hunting for opportunities during those three or four hours. Talk about those executions like, um, you know, because obviously, you know, we, we trade smaller size probably than you are, Joe. But when you're working big, I notice even on like some of the small cap stocks, like if you got some name that isn't a mega cap here, it's tricky working these orders in this market. Yeah, yeah no, no, no question. I mean, the, the small caps and you'll see the spreads, you know, maybe it's 20 cents spread and you're not going to pay the offer. Right. And say you want to tighten it up. So we're out. You're not if you post a new bid. What's likely going to happen is somebody's going to jump you, as you know, Dennis, and then someone else is going to take the offer or the offer was bogus in the first place and it cancels. And the next thing you know, maybe you bought 500 shares and the stock's up a quarter or down a quarter, depending on the market. So you have to be super careful in your destinations and not only the destinations that you're going to, but how you're routing through those destinations. So there was actually a paper which I wanted to bring up because I like to bring up academic oh, papers, like papers, you know. 
the, this one was written a couple of weeks ago. Um, what was the name of it? They were talking about actually options. And this is not outside of our domain. But the options world, and you guys trade it more than we do, is fill. I mean, the spreads in the options are, are ridiculous, right? And yeah. the, payment, the payment for order flow in the options market dwarfs the equities market. So the in other words, it basically two thirds option of the payment for order flow that's out there. Say in December was two hundred eighty five million dollars total. Two hundred million went to the options market makers, of which there are two big ones: Citadel and Susquehanna are, are taking most of the orders in the options market. So you have to wonder where is my order going? How is it getting there? And as a retail investor, sometimes you just throw up your hands and you say, "Oh, it doesn't matter. I hit the market button, off she goes, and I get a fill, and I got price improvement, right?" Wrong, wrong, absolutely wrong. You have to be super careful in those destinations. Post limits. Why not post a limit if you're trading an option and the option is 10 cents, 30 cents? Why would you put a market order in? You know, post a bid, see what happens. And a lot of times those options market makers will fill you at better prices because then they go down to the exchange and they do their own thing when it comes to auctions. So bottom line is, you know, to answer the question is you got to be super careful in everything okay. you do. We prefer destinations like IEX like bids, which is a clean ATS. We call it a clean ATS where the average trade size is, you know, the average block trade size is like 30,000 shares there. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. I'm looking to extract the noise. I don't want the HFTs and they're still out there to see my flow and take advantage of my clients. Yeah, because as soon as they get a sniff of your order and they think, oh, we got one here, and then they start jacking it up on you and start making you pay and it's tricky to like, I mean, the, the, the algos continue to adapt to that too. Like I noticed it even like, you know, sometimes on these small cap stocks, you, 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 you know, you want to buy a 500 or a thousand shares or something. And I'm like, you pick up a hundred and boom, all of a sudden it's like taken off on you. And they're like, like, how, how are they, how do they care? About right. like my 200 shares, like, you know, back, if you go back to Joel's days, 200 shares, Joel, when you were a Merc maker on the floor, you didn't know what, nobody give a crap about that at all. But the algo cares about your 200 shares and they love your 20,000 shares, Joe, Joe, Joe. Oh, yes. Like they're all over you on that. Like, oh, we yeah. got a big fish here. We're going to make some money here. Yeah. So yeah. It, every, it's, it's frustrating. Every trade matters to them. Think about an HFT. Well, as a as a casino, and I always make this this, this description, a casino doesn't win every every hand, right? They look at the numbers overall. They say if we've won fifty five percent of the time, and we lose forty five percent, we're making billions of dollars, and we can afford to put up giant hotels everywhere, right? As long as the win percentage is greater than the loss, and then it becomes a numbers game. So every share counts. Every one hundred shares of your stock counts. Every twenty thousand shares of me counts because if they can be 52, 48, they've made a lot of money. And that's all they care about. And it is just a machine. They don't care about fundamental values. They don't care about the company's CEO. They don't care about earnings. They don't care about revenues. Everything that we talk about means nothing to these guys, right? They care about, can I clip this guy for a penny? Can I get make sure that in my intelligence, I, can I predict where the price is going to be two milliseconds from now? That's all they care about. Okay, it's, in my mind, it's useless. It means nothing. It adds no fundamental values. They claim to add liquidity. They're not adding liquidity. They take as much as they add. That is useless to me. Okay, I'm looking for fundamental valuations. I'm looking for blocks. I'm looking for real trades for real clients. So, you know, we've had this argument for years. It's not going away. So we learned, okay, it's not going away. I can't beat them. So I'm going to play a different game. Yeah. You don't play their game. And if you figure out not to play their game, you'll be okay. But the guys who play their game are going to get sucked in and they're going to lose. That applies to not just, you know, your order and execution, but 
any that that applies to how you approach the market, right? Like like what you're trading, right? And how often you're trading, right? Trying to trying to beat institutions at their game is not a viable. Well, I I mean we've even adjusted over the course of years. We used to Joel like when, when go back to Joel Connor the Joe Joel thing, but uh we you know we used to scalp at bright trading. We used to sit there on the bid and the offer and make markets. We used to you know we had probably a hundred guys doing small cap market making. And all those guys stopped doing that because we couldn't beat the virtues right. and the citadels. You know, when they got the, the payment for order flow, you know, we sit there on the bed, we make the market, and then we get executed only when it blows through us. So you've just seen an, a, an adaption where we've lengthened our time horizon. We move from, you know, being market makers, pure arbitrage to statistical arbitrage. Yeah. And that's how we survive. We change. Because yes. you've got two or three players that are the major market makers now, and that's it. And they've knocked everyone else out because they're so good at what they're doing. They're so efficient at what they're doing. You can't compete. Right. And you did the right thing by changing your game. And that's and and that's and back to Spencer's point, as a retail investor, you have to realize you're not a fund manager. You're not a hedge fund. You don't have to worry about beating the, the guy. In other words, you're getting paid based on your performance. You have control of your own portfolio. And if you yeah. want to keep a, you know, it kind of sucks if you got a losing trade. I got some losing trades that I'm sitting on. Trades turn into investments. Nobody wants those. Right? <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but, you're, but you're the retail investor and you can do what you want. That's your portfolio and no one's going to tell you what to do. And don't feel like you have to force yourself in an over trade like we always talk about, right? But also going back to your point, Dennis, about the game, there was a court case. I just wanted to bring this up real quick. It went on for eight years. The pension funds sued the stock exchanges basically for giving the the tools to the HFTs to do what we've been talking about, scalping, you know, uh, latency arbitrage, which is obviously a timing issue. So the exchanges would supply things like co-location, data fees, and all these, you know, special perks uh, to the HFTs to allow them to do what they do. The pension funds led by the city of Rhode Island sued, and it was in court for eight years, but unfortunately they lost. And actually about a month ago, the case got tossed by a, a second, uh, I think it was a circuit judge. And the reason was, it was because they didn't really have the data to tie the trades to the harm. Mm. They said, okay, we understand your point. Pension funds are getting clipped by these guys, but prove to me the damages. Show me where that trade happened that hurt the city of Rhode Island. And they couldn't do it. And they brought in an expert witness, but they couldn't come up with the data because who has the data? It's the exchanges. And you couldn't tie you know, HFT firm one to city of Rhode Island firm two for right. that trade and say, look, you, you know, you clip this guy, you, you raise the bid and the next thing you know, couldn't do it. So the HFT firms and their lobbies, of course, ran out there and said, oh, look, we're exonerated. Everything's all good, everybody. We've, we've been exonerated by the courts. No, you haven't been. The exchanges couldn't get, you couldn't tie it to them. You couldn't prove it. So, and they used, I can't imagine how much money they spent on lawyers over the years to prove this case, but that's what we're fighting against here. That's what we're up against. We're up against massive lobbies, massive companies like, like the NASDAQ and the NYSE who have built business models on this crap for years and continue to win in that situation. So again, all right, fine. I hate that. I don't like what they do, but I'm not playing that game and I'm going to protect my clients in my own way. That's I did not know about that. That's that's really interesting stuff. Joe Saluzzi, uh, partner, uh, co-founder of Themis Trading. Joe, any I know you can't like get too specific, but like any overall thoughts on just the the market or, or, or sectors right now? I mean, we saw a great day for growth yesterday, and of course it is earnings season, so kind of all bets are off right now. But basically game day. But any thoughts on just the the near term sentiment right now? 
Yeah, was, I mean, last week was bad, right? I mean, those last two days last week were, were really bad, and we kind of got whacked out of nowhere. Look, like it was going back up for a while. Uh, obviously, interest rates are affecting the tech sector a lot more than it is uh, on the bigger side. Um, you know, I think we will settle down here. I, I, fundamentals are still good, right? There's still a lot of companies with solid fundamentals. I'm interested this week in seeing Microsoft's and Apple's earnings because those are the big techies, yeah. right? My, when you watch Microsoft trade throughout the day, and you watch the cues, they're pretty much right. That that That's the stock, right? The Microsoft and Apple is what you're looking at. So if those companies report good earnings and they have some good guidance, I'd be interested to see what they say about their buybacks because those are the big giant buyback guys. If they do get hit on earnings and all of a sudden they come out and they say, we got a new buyback authorization that may act as some sort of stop there. Um, but I mean, overall, you know, valuations, I heard you talking about it before, you know, price and earnings muscles have come down a lot. We're not in stratosphere anymore. We're getting more realistic, I think. You know, it is a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on out there when it comes to geopolitical stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty. So like a lot of people have said, I think this year is going to be chop, right? A lot of chop. And, you know, somebody told me, I mean, if you have any winners, take them quick. Don't don't turn a trade too long. You know, make your winning, make your money quick and and, and don't worry about those longer term gains because you are going to have markets like this. where on, you know, you know, Thursday, all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're down 50 handles in 10 minutes. Right. How the hell did that happen? This yeah. Out of nowhere, it happens. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think we're going to get a lot of a lot more of that. Does that does the geopolitical situation come up at all in your your conversations? I know you're you're getting the orders and everything. Is there, uh, you know, does does that ever? I mean, obviously, yeah. you're not going to offer any advice, or you know, it's an impossible situation. But does that ever come up? Um, it does. I mean, obviously, you know, guys are talking about. We talk to traders mostly, so we're not talking to the, the PMs as much. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly, I mean, some of the smaller hedge funds have bigger ish, bigger, um, uh, let's just say span of what they can do. And they're talking about, you know, fertilizer prices, gold prices, you know, how is that affecting things, you know, uh, corn and so on commodities. So yeah, it, it comes up and, and for a while there, obviously at the beginning of, of the situation in Ukraine and Russia, it was, it was much more at the forefront. I don't think people are talking about it as much now in the markets because there's obviously other things. Now you've got the, you know, Beijing and China and COVID popping up again. What's that going to do to supply chains? You know, we could start all over again with the supply. How is that going to affect inflation? You know, what is inflation? Is it demand driven? Is it supply driven? That comes up all the time and people still can't figure out the answers there. And, you know, where, and the Fed is really the most important thing that everyone talks about. You know, what are they doing? How many, how many rate hikes? How, you know, I still personally believe, I don't think this, if the Fed has the guts for a market route and they've proven it time and time again in the past where they may have said something and they say they're going to raise rates X amount of times or they're going to get out of QE. And the next thing you know, we dump five or 10% for now. And, you know, good old Jay Powell will come to the rescue. I still think they have that in them. I still don't think, especially you got a midterm election year coming out. Nobody wants to see a dumpage in the market. So regardless of what political party you're in, they don't want to see it. And the Fed is independent, right? The Fed is independent. So, but I don't think they got the guts for it. One more for you, Joe. Just been uh, noticing the price action in like the final five, ten minutes. I mean, that dump that we had on Friday. I mean, is it just, you know, just people are just not getting their orders done and then they're just scrambling to close to, to clean things up because I've just, I've noticed, you know, just last five, 10 minutes. I mean, you want to think it's a trend day and then you get a, you know, 10, 15 handle uh, counter move. I just wondered if you yeah. could comment just on the, you know, the, just the really volatile choppy trading action to close out. The, like I'm look, I was looking at the, the S and P's and the spiders uh, on, on, uh, on Friday. 
And I mean, unless you had a market on close sell order, I mean, you had absolutely no chance at the mark. So just wanted yeah. your comments yeah. you know, on that. The, the close is certainly been important and continues to be more important as people benchmark there. A lot of people have benchmarked to the close. So you, the activity is is tremendous. You could be sitting there trading a small cap or a mid cap all day, grinding it out for a thousand shares every 10 minutes or something. And all of a sudden at the close, it just starts happening, right? That last five minutes is where all the action is coming in. So I think it's because a lot of folks are benchmarking that the imbalances okay. are out there. They're trying to set it up or whatever, you know, that's unfortunately that's the way it works. So the volume is tilted towards the opening and towards the close. And on volatile days, you're going to get that price action to satisfy those market orders. But what I've noticed, I mean, on those couple of days, like you mentioned, Dan, uh, Joel, you'll see that. But a lot of times is you just see the same trend starting around. Watch two o'clock at two o'clock. If the trend is down, I'll, I'll always get up on the desk and I'll just scream out. They're going to close them on the lows today. And then if the trend is up, I'll just say they're going to close them on the highs today. And nine times out of ten. Nine times out of 10, that works. So at two o'clock, whatever that direction is, that's where I'm going to close. So I'm going to put myself down today. At, so let's look at two o'clock. If the market's up, I'm going to say they close them on the highs. Okay. And we'll, we'll come back to me later and we'll see if I'm right. All right. Joe Saluzzi, theme of trading. Joe, always great to talk to you. Have a good one. You too, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having Joe. me. All right. Uh, hey, here's the calendar for tonight, everyone. On the earnings front, we're going to have Alphabet, Microsoft, GM, which we've discussed, Capital oh One, Visa, Chipotle, Mondelez. The plan is that Benzinga will be streaming the Alphabet conference call. Uh, I'm not quite sure what time it's at. I'm assuming it's probably around 4.30 or 5 p.m. Eastern time. And this is the... Uh, this this is it. This, we are in the, the heart of it right now. The next yeah. three days are going to be massive from an earnings standpoint so much fundamental data coming out and as as has already been said it's not so much about the earnings as it is about the guidance the forward look yeah. statements um i'm already getting getting a hunch that I, it just seems like we're seeing a lot of buybacks right now i, I feel like that that may be an attempt uh to throw by these companies to throw in a piece of bullish news in what is otherwise a not great report um but, you know, companies tend to use buybacks as a tool to compensate for bad news. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. This is it, though. I mean, we're in getting it. to the heart of it. And it's going to be – that's why it's so hard to make a technical call right now. We can say, yeah, you know, those the NASDAQ held the lows uh, yesterday. And, you know, a lot of the growth tech had a nice rebound day. But with so many big names coming up, it's all that's going to matter. Technicals are taking a back seat for the next three days. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, we'll do some ticker time here. Uh, we had cold-blooded gaming in the chat, who is very persistently asking about Facebook earlier, which does report tomorrow. So, um, made the new low on the move, but bounced nicely. We kind of, you know, we're still three, four point bucks. You got below where the March lows were, but yeah, it didn't take it out extremely. But again, you got Wednesday's earnings, so nothing else matters. You can't talk it technically. You can just talk it, you know, fundamentally after the report. So if they come out, they say expectations are probably fairly low for Facebook after the last dumpster fire quarter. But we saw this set up for Netflix. And then Netflix found a way to just like epically, you know, get destroyed after they got destroyed the quarter before. So you'd hope that Facebook can do something okay, say something okay, stem the tide to a certain extent. But this same setup was in Netflix as well, so I'm skeptical. Just know where to go if you're wrong here. 
I mean, just based on the uh, on the monthlies. I mean, there's absolutely you, you know you took out the low. You're, I mean, you're not going to go right to 150 or just above that. So 150.83. So if you you know if you're trying to pay, I mean, just like it just seems like that you know the trend is a strong trend's been down, gap and go since the last earnings. I mean, are they just going to turn it around and you know all of a sudden everything's okay at Facebook? I, I don't know about that. Uh, so be careful on. Uh, you know, if it takes out that low, uh, and then on the upside, I mean, just to get to Friday's high, you need a you need a, a seven buck rally. I mean, which it could easily do one eighty. So I'd look at that if you're like if you're trying, you know, if you're scalping it or whatever, and it gets a pop. But right now, I mean, I just when I see monthlies like that, it's just, it's just hard to hard to try and pick a bottom. Expectations very low. Yeah, it's going to be a matter of whether they come in under those low expectations. I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but Facebook just open is opening their very first retail location, their in-person retail store. It's going to be on their their campus. But what do Facebook they? Has, what do they, they sell? Well, yeah, what do they sell? Well, Facebook has more hardware than you think it does. Oh, yeah, right? Oculus and yeah, stuff. They've right? got the Oculus. They've got they've got some other stuff going on. But uh, yeah, I don't know if 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 all of a sudden. In physical stories is the answer. A uh, question from earlier in the chat, and Matt Miller is asking again, Dennis, would you short DWAC today with the Twitter news? This one was also confusing to me because we've been watching DWAC and Twitter trade in opposite directions. Yeah. And yet Twitter DWAC also spiked higher on when when the news broke yesterday that Elon was actually going to do, do this thing. Um, I would have expected DWAC to, to, to get hit. But it spiked, so that was a little bit Mul- multiple issues here too, Spencer. The locate was tough yesterday. I actually I couldn't oh, find a locate no. yesterday. I actually tried to short it off of, uh, earlier, um, and I, I'm sure you know I could have went out of house, but it wasn't an easy one. It was it was going to be a more expensive one. So sometimes you know you can easily find them in house. This one wasn't available, so I'd have to go outside, and I just didn't bother doing that. But I mean. You're here, you're looking at it. The thing has been absolutely killed. That's the one thing to consider. It's still a SPAC, too. Remember, oh, this yeah. is not, you know, officially merged. No deal. No, we don't have a deal yet. No. So, I mean, you know the $10 floor is down there. It's 36 though. <laughs> that's a, long, um, way that's a yeah. long ways away. This is not good news for DWAC. I've already said it. Like, you know, with Musk running Twitter, you know, does Trump? get reinstated as Trump. He says he won't go back to Twitter. And maybe that was the comments that helped to hold DWAC up. But if Trump does go back to Twitter, DWAC gets killed. So I would say the next point is as long as Trump continues to say, I'm not going back to Twitter, that helps DWAC. But if Trump, for whatever reason, you know, if his account gets reinstated and he actually does go back to Twitter, DWAC, well, I think, could get cut in half on that. I'm not well, even joking. Well, there's, two, there's two things. There's two components. There's one, Twitter unblocking him. But then Trump has to actually go back, right? Like, so it's a it, it, there. there's two legs to this, right? So Twitter could unblock him. And then Trump says, forget it. Screw you guys. I'm, 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 done, I'm done with Twitter anyway. In which case, DWAC probably goes higher on that, right? But, but if Twitter unblocks him... And and he starts tweeting immediately. Then, oh then, my gosh! And, and it's over. Then it's over. Yeah, the DWAC story almost like is over if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very important to DWAC that Trump does not go back to Twitter. Yeah. All right. That's um, all that matters. 
All right, a couple more here. Uh, uh, Super Spack man asking about Rocket. Uh, it, it moved up. You had a great day yesterday with the rest of the Kathy. Oversold. Stuff. This was the the growth tech wanted to rally all day. You could just feel it. Even when we were getting killed and the Dow was down, what, five, six, seven hundred points, the S&Ps were rolling over. The ARKK was not making new lows. It was holding on and it held those lows. 51.85, the low from March. And where do we bounce? 51.95 right to the 10 cents, and then we get out of there again. And I even tweeted that it was holding. So, I mean, these are all names, not that this is a Kathy name, but it's all in the same group. You know, these are storied stocks from 2021, and they all trade together. You can group, you know, there's like 300 of them I grouped together. RKT is one of them. That's right there grouped with the ARKKs. So those held on. Those are the first ones to rally yesterday because they've been the most beaten down names. Is this the start of a new trend for RKT in the turnaround? I mean, the fundamentals still are not great. Rising interest rate environment. Um, companies always, in, um, you know, it's been a, a good performing company, really. I mean, it makes money too, does it not? Like, like I yeah. think yeah. RKT yeah. has done fairly well, but it doesn't matter. It's the environment that we're going into. And, you know, and, and inside, you've seen a lot of insider buys in RKT over the course of the last month. Uh, you know, directors and are, are buying the stock, but it doesn't seem to matter. It keeps getting beat up. I think there's room to 10 bucks. I think you're going to get to 10. You're going to start to struggle again, though. So I'd say if you're at 932 and you bought it yesterday, I think there is room to 10. But, you know, to jump in here at 935 for 60 cents upside, it's a tough trade. Uh, just see if you get follow through. Uh, you had a nice move yesterday, made a new old time low. So you undercut the low and you rallied and it's pretty it traded down, uh, you know, just a few pennies here. The market catches a bid. It goes, gets over, uh, I'll say nine yesterday's high nine fifty four. your four day high nine fifty three. Why the heck not? Why not, uh, make your, you know, move up a little bit higher. I'd say your major resistance at 10 bucks, but, uh, Important to get through that uh, that uh, yesterday's high at nine fifty four. All right, we are done with the hour. That was fun. Uh, so we're all, we're going to say goodbye for now. I want to mention again. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday. I put it in the chat right now. If you haven't checked it out, our free pre our pre market page on Benzinga.com, where this show lives on Benzinga, is. They've revamped it. It's a great resource. I dropped a link in the chat. Check it out. It's Benzinga.com slash pre-market. We are there. Uh, today's movers are there. Earnings are there. Ratings are there. All the things you need uh, to get your day started are on that page. Uh, so check it out. Joel's heading over to premarketprep.com. I'm heading over to live trading with Benzinga, myself, Ryan, and Zunaid. Uh, if you haven't already, check out the Fintwit Summit. We are three weeks away from that now. I'm dropping the link to that in the chat. And uh, time is running out to purchase your ticket. So I, if you're going to do it, I would do it sooner rather than later. Uh, the date is May 13th and 14th. Um, it's going to be an awesome two-day event in Vegas uh, that Benzinga is co-sponsoring. Uh, two days of just trading, education, boot camps, workshops, the whole thing. So check it out there, uh, benzinga.com slash events. And uh, smash the like, as always, and catch you guys over on Live Trading with Benzinga. Tonight, have a great rest of your day. Stay green out there, everyone.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.